Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Today's episode is an extremely valuable one. Um, for a lot of you listening, I think you're going to take a lot of inspiration from our guest today. His name's Liam O'Donnell. Um, I've known Liam now for around 12 months. We we both did a um, we're currently still in uh, a mentorship program um, for men around mindfulness and, and masculinity. I guess um, you could say. And and Liam is just a genuinely uh, very down to earth, kind um, and caring person. I've been a guest on his podcast. He's the host of Braintainment. Um, you may remember a week or so ago, I shared a short clip from the most recent episode of that podcast, but Liam's a business owner. He's a speaker and content creator for all things mindset, mental health, and human behavior. And that's something that he's become passionate about following a brain injury and mental health journey from six years ago, which we will touch on in today's episode. So if you take some value away from this episode, which I'm sure you will, please do take a screenshot of this episode, post up an Instagram story for me, tag myself and tag Liam as well. Make sure you check out his podcast if you haven't already. The links to all that stuff will be in the show notes. But a big thank you for tuning into today's episode. Um, it is very much appreciated and I hope it takes some value away from this conversation. Liam, welcome to the show, mate. It's a pleasure to have you on. DK, mate, it is an absolute pleasure to, to be here, mate. Had you on my show the other week, so it's good to see your face and reconnect again. Yeah, mate. I mentioned in the intro um, that I was fortunate enough and grateful to be on on your show a couple of times now, which has been really enjoyable. Our our most recent chat was a, a really good one. I reckon um, the listeners will get a lot of value from it. And I've been meaning to get you on mine for a while now. Um, and you know, one I guess one positive about COVID um, over the past kind of twelve to eighteen months has has freed up everyone's schedules enough to be able to jump on a podcast at almost any time of the day. So. Um, it's good that we're making the most of it, mate. But um, look, let's let's dive in straight away, man. Like for the for the listeners that have, have tuned in, you know, I've mentioned a bit about you. But um, for those that that don't know, I guess your story and how you know Liam ends up in a, the position mm. and, and working on the things that you're working on at the moment. Are you able to give the listener a bit of a rundown um, of your story up until this point, and then also specifically around you know the the trauma and the and the brain um, injury that almost kind of set you on this path. Um, mm. first place. Yeah, mate, for sure. Look, it's a pretty elongated story, but I'll give you the, give you and the listeners the highlights for it just for some context. So, uh, mate, I was a pretty normal sort of guy, grew up playing sports, um, you know, footy, cricket, everything of the like, loved having a good time. And I'm 31 now, but when I was 25, I was overseas with my brother. And this is really the, I guess, the starting point of my story that leads yeah. me into, you know, the coaching and the speaking and the, and the work I'm doing now, I suppose. But I was 25 um, overseas and we're actually at a pub, uh, me and my brother, just minding our own business. And admittedly, we'd had probably too many too many drinks than we should have for the evening, but we were sticking, um, we we're trying to stay clear of any trouble. But unfortunately, we're actually jumped by a, by a group of guys in the middle of nowhere in, in New Zealand. And like I said, it's a long story, but the, the short version is um, we were jumped and I was king hit, knocked out cold and... Um, fortunately, structurally, everything cleared up pretty quickly. I was rushed to hospital, spent a couple of days in hospital in New Zealand. But um, following that following that trauma, that blow to the head, I was diagnosed with post-concussion syndrome. And okay. so I sustained this brain injury, which 
mate, you know, even to this day, I still struggle with symptoms to an extent, post-concussion syndrome. A lot of people haven't heard of it, but there's some stuff coming out now in the news around the ongoing effects from head injuries with footy players. So it's good to see some awareness in the media. Um, but mate, it took me down this rabbit hole of trying to understand how to help myself feel better um, yep. physically and psychologically as well. And, you know, that looked like hours and hours of rehab, a lot of dollars spent on um, recovery, but then also studying all things, you know, psychology and the brain. Just for the, for the listeners at the moment and, and those that are watching the interview at the moment, are you able to give us a bit of insight into what the, the symptoms look like from a physical and mental aspect? Mm. I mean, uh, I've had a few um, decent-sized concussions and, and knockouts as well. And mm. in my most recent one, um, you know, I, I believe I was suffering symptoms from that for a couple of months ongoing, like whether it be, mm. you know, obviously the, the very obvious ones early days, are, um, you know, things like, you know, the, the short term memory stuff and, and just physically feeling ill and stuff. But even into the, the months uh, yeah. afterwards, I was feeling like things, you know, such as, you know, just not getting enjoyment out of the shit that I was usually doing, almost having like symptoms of um, like slight depression, like just, mm-hmm. Weird, weird things like that, which I couldn't really explain aside from the fact that I'd taken that hit to the head. So what, what, is it, what were those mm. symptoms looking like for you that, that caused you to do all the, the rehab and not kind of just brush it off and, and keep pushing forward? Mate, it's a good question. Yeah. Super interesting to hear your take on as well because it really did feel like it was like, and uh, it, was, it was almost an inexplainable feeling at times. So the physiological impact was like wild headaches, blurry vision, um, extreme fatigue that lasted for months and years. Um, but the most sinister, to be honest, mate, was the, was the psychological stuff. So you mentioned depression. I went through really um, crippling bout of depression, anxiety, and it was really difficult because I had this injury that was essentially invisible. You know, and yeah. I've always prided myself on being you know, entertaining, confident, charismatic, all these things, particularly at the time when I was a bit younger. And so to have that kind of stripped away with but not being able to explain it was really tough so there was the fatigue the dizziness all the stuff that just made life a bit more challenging but then um mate i just lost this sense of self i couldn't play sports anymore footy was my identity for a long period of time and i had to kind of strip that back um even just going out and having a good time i remember this is a little quick story i remember eight months after my injury going into a nightclub just to feel a sense of normality mm. and having a couple of drinks and literally having a panic attack at the dance floor because it was too much sensory information right. coming in from the lights and the people and it was just dude it was crazy so that to to a certain extent went on for years and years and you know i picked up a few lessons along the way and a large part of the journey really became about all right fuck well how do i make the worst thing that's happened to me you know, become the best thing that's happened to me. I know we've yep. had similar conversations off air, so mm-hmm. it's pretty gnarly. Hundred percent. And was were you struggling? Um, you know, you said you went through a pretty, pretty nasty period of um, depression. There was there any signs or symptoms of that previous to the head injury, or are you pretty like almost certain that you bring it down to the to the um, concussion? There was definitely, that caused it? definitely good questions. Definitely signs. And looking back on it, I would I would say that I was flirting with depression um but now having experienced the depths of it and i imagine at least some of your audience may either find themselves in that position now or potentially in the past you know having gone through that now um it was dramatically worse you know over those few years following that following the head trauma but before that i'd started to flirt with it and i'd just based on my own 
you know, I guess research and journey over the last few years, I put it down more so to just, you know, not living along with my values. Yep. Um, things along those lines was just, I was feeling in a bit of a funk, but this just certainly made it worse. Yeah. Now I want to, um, obviously want to touch on now, like fast, fast track to, to today where you're doing a lot of coaching, obviously got your own podcast. Um, a lot of the content you put out is, is around helping other people and adding value and, and mm. just sharing your knowledge, which, um, which I do love. Um, thanks bro. In terms of, uh, in terms of, how that come about like was this something that uh and, and i also wanted to touch on that it slipped my mind for a second there but it's come back i've like mate i don't know if it's a head knocks or not but i've got the memory of <laughs> goldfish this is a recipe for disaster too guys um, with um, a few head knocks <laughs> uh, but what i was going to say is it's interesting where um you know you hear a story like someone like yourself or you know plenty of other stories where people reach a specific low point or a traumatic incident and then that's what sets them on the path of mindfulness, of self-improvement, personal development and things like that. But I think, and I'm not too sure, but I feel like today it's getting to the point now slowly where people are starting to be open to the idea of going down this path before they reach that point or before without having to have any traumatic incident or without having to suffer from addiction or go through depression and stuff like that. Like really important for everyone that's tuned in to understand that, you know, meditation, mindfulness, doing courses, mentor, mentorships, getting coaching from someone doesn't necessarily mean that you've got a problem or, or that, you know, there's anything wrong with you. Um, you know, we do, we go to the gym and we do all these exercises, you know, we'll touch on this in the chat today, but we go to the gym and we eat well and all that stuff to, you know, one, to look good, but two, to stay healthy and to avoid disease and avoid sickness. Yet we, not many of us do it for our mental health. We wait until something goes wrong. It's like waiting to have a heart attack before you go to the gym. Mm. It's, uh, it's bizarre, but um, backtracking now. Yeah. How did you, how did you get started on the path of coaching and, and wanting to, I guess, fast for like share this information to help other people that are potentially going through the same or similar things that you went through? Mm. Yeah, mate, it's something I talk about a lot, which is pretty, you know, it's almost positive psychology 101, but we are either going to do, we're going to do something for one or two reasons, to gain pleasure or avoid pain. And so for me, you know, how I ended up here was, to be completely frank, mate, was I was so desperately avoiding sliding back into a depression. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wonder if a lot of people listening might be able to relate. It's like you go through something mentally and you start to get make some positive ground. There's always this underlying fear of like, fuck, I don't want to go, we can swear on the show, right? Fucking earth. No, beautiful. Just making sure. <laughs> I think there's this underlying um, concern or fear or anxiety around slipping back into that. Mm. And so for me, diving into understanding the mechanics of human behavior, how the brain works, how, you know, as much as I can learn about psychology, as much as I can learn about brain trauma uh, and rehab and things of that nature yep. was in large part about not wanting to go back there. So I was desperate to avoid pain. And mm-hmm. so to your point, and I'm glad you actually mentioned that a lot of the work I'm trying to do now, whether it's, you know, through content or jumping on chats like this is to help people fall the fuck in love with the learning process and be motivated by gaining pleasure. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's hopefully doesn't get to, to a state where, you know, um, there's mental health issues, there's physical health issues. I'm sure you see this in the PT world as well. Yeah. It's like, it's not always just about, you know, avoiding 
the detriments of being unhealthy. It's like, how can we make you super fit? Well, I kind of look at that for the mind. Like I want people to mm. really enjoy the learning process and um, enjoy their life, which sounds so trite. And there's so much people in, in this space now, which is wonderful, mm. but it's at its simplest form. I guess what I'm hoping is to you know, share a bit of my story, but also help people understand like fuck, life can be pretty excellent once you yeah. Do a lot of a lot of the right stuff. Well, that's it. Like, what's the point of any of this if you don't if if you don't enjoy it? Um, mm. And you know, it's uh, you know, you touched on there. Um, the the uh, the fact that like we we do take care of our our physical health, um, and that that is always a priority. And as I touched on before, it's it's I start to start to think of it now. Like you know, I've added it into my daily routine. It's like trying to treat my mental health the same as my physical health. Like I'm training every single day by doing my meditation and journaling and, and courses on all this type of stuff. And, mm. and, you know, touching on your point there where you said you want to almost encourage people to push towards enjoyment and purpose and passion. And it's, this is coming up a lot lately when I hear more and more stuff around the law of attraction. It's like the, the mistake that a lot of people make with the law of attraction or even just in general without knowing it is constantly thinking or doing things to try and avoid what they don't want mm. instead of using the language or writing things down in your journal or doing things to get what you do want. It's always like you manifest things either way. It's like if you spend mm. all your time thinking about what you do want, then you're going to manifest that I agree aggressively with what you're saying. I'm actually curious, mate, the meditation, the journaling, the stuff that Mm. you do and the physical training, I would imagine you're not, you're not doing it just to tick a box or because someone told you to do it. Like what, what's the motivation for you? I imagine it's because it serves you in some way. hundred percent. Like with the, let's start with the training. So train, I'm not going into the gym training so that I don't fucking roll my ankle or hurt my shoulder or my knee or something like that. I'm going to the gym to progress, like to get better, mm. to, to get fitter, to get stronger, to grow their muscle, whatever their current, current training phase is. It's not to avoid getting sick anymore. And, you know, for some people that may be why they're in there, but I think that that purpose will change quite quickly. But the mental side of things is it's just almost like a continual learning experience around what, what certain things make me feel good. Like you said before, mm. like how can I start my day? You know, the reason I do my, my meditation stuff in the morning is because within half an hour to an hour of waking up, like I already feel great, like productive. I feel can hopefully reach like a bit of a flow state, like feel grateful and things. And that's before I've done anything else. So, you know, in, in terms of meditation, people can do it whenever they want. Some people find the most beneficial middle of the day, end of the day, whatever it is. But now, you know, I'm trying to do it at both ends of the day in particular. But um, yeah, all this stuff with the mental side of things for me is is purely around finding what things um, or what tasks or what practices I can do on a daily basis that genuinely make me feel good without having to eat a certain thing or take a certain prescription or... um, go to a seminar you know what i mean like you know yeah, people, yeah. people know the feel like if you've ever done like an incredible meditation or you've done a really good journal or you've read a great book you have this like moment of like almost like a this sounds a bit fucking full on but it's, it's almost like a bit of an awakening like you feel yeah, yeah. you have this like euphoric feeling which is you know often people get from using drugs or or like i said whether it is 
um, might be drinking alcohol or I'm sure everyone's tuned in at some point in time has been to like a big seminar or a workshop where you leave there feeling absolutely G'd up. You might've listened to someone do a keynote talk that, that you, um, admire their stuff, whatever. And you feel really good. And it's that little moment of, um, of euphoric feeling, but when you realize you can give this to yourself almost every single day at any point in time, purely by doing the work mentally and, and with your mindfulness, it's a pretty powerful tool. And then I think once you get a taste of it, then you want more. Like now I'm Definitely. searching for more books. I'm searching for different meditations and things like the momentum group and stuff like that to just keep tapping into to more and more ways I can feel good. And, and then yeah. hopefully, and you're on a, in the same boat, hopefully use that information and experience that I get to pass on to other people and just show, show people like I have with training and nutrition that yeah, the tools that I use that have helped me get to, you know, feel the way that I do. So it's not about mm. pushing it, pushing it on anyone. And, and you would know the same thing and you can't sit here and tell people to meditate unless they want to. Mate, and, that's it. You can tell, tell them as much as you want, but you know, I know from experience that like it just doesn't work that way. You have to, mm. I just find if I can lead by example, whether it's constantly showing people that I am meditating daily, um, the benefits that I'm seeing and feeling from it, then eventually in time, if the person's smart enough, they're going to want to try it themselves. And once the, once the person makes that decision, then that's when the good shit happens um, yeah. you know, compared to being forced. Mm. Uh, you, it's just sorry I'll, I'll definitely forget this if I don't say it but it's like you hear when someone has read a book right um, I can't remember who it was it might have been in a, in a book some, the author was saying this she'd read this book that someone had given to her years ago and she said she read through it and it did fuck all for her like she got nothing out of it she re- reread it after like kind of having that almost like a bit of an awakening and she started meditating and, and found personal development stuff and she said now it's like the second time she read it was the most powerful thing that she's ever read but she'd already read it before but she wasn't ready for it yet if that makes sense interesting yeah i mean sometimes ideas hit you at certain times of your life right and so that sounds it can sound a little bit abstract or woo-woo but i think what i'm hearing you say and something i'm like wildly passionate about is if you fall in love with the learning process and just get curious about things and approach it from a place of like trying to gain instead of trying to fix these things about how you're broken. It's not, it's not about that. It's pursuing yeah. things that excite you, that help build a feeling of fulfillment, whatever it might be. And when you do that, then your mind, it just opens up to all these new ideas and possibilities. And then when those land and you can integrate, whether it's a new modality like meditation or it's or yeah. just a new way of like conceptualizing your life, then it's like, fuck, that feels intrinsically rewarding. And so yeah. maybe for that lady, it's just at that moment in time, that idea, whatever's you know being portrayed in that book, hit her at a time where she's curious, she's open, and bang, that recipe works. And then all of a sudden, she feels great. She can probably integrate whatever they're teaching, and then you know just makes life again much more enjoyable. It's there to be enjoyed, not endured. And I think too many people endure. Yeah. Wait, now before we get onto uh, on, on this show, I obviously try and pretty much every episode, if I can give some actionable tips to whatever topic we're talking about. So it's not just people listening and you know having what we said before, that little bit of um, motivation or whatever that's fleeting and then goes away and then no one knows what to do with it. So yeah. I want to get, I want to get into some kind of practical bits of advice and things that you picked up along the way around the mental health and even confidence side of things soon. But before you get to that point, um, obviously fitness and lifestyle podcast mainly revolves around um, physical and physical health and fitness. 
Um, so how have you found the physical side of things has impacted your mental health? So getting back to doing some form of exercise, obviously mm. you said that the fact you couldn't play sport and stuff anymore was a, a huge um, negative in your life. So what are the things that you've been able to, I guess, replace it with or challenge yourself with that have helped the mental side of things if they have? I'm not sure yeah. whether you've found that. Oh, they have made dramatically and simply put exercise or moving or attacking the body in some way in, in a, in a good format, it's the lowest hangers, long, lowest hanging fruit, mm. right? So I think people now understand the inextricable link between the body and the mind. And it, it's funny, like a lot of, you know, I get put into the basket of like mindset, coaching and psychology and stuff like that, because I love that space. But mate, the number one thing that I would encourage anyone to do if they're struggling mentally or emotionally in some way is to move, shake, do something with the body. And so for me, just going back to my journey over those few years, what was really challenging um, and which just highlights the importance of exercises was that was taken away for a period of time and mm-hmm. it's almost became this, self, this self-fulfilling uh, cycle of like mentally and emotionally being in a real funk and not being able to exercise. It just became really problematic. So just really quickly for anyone, for whatever reason, they're in that position, doesn't necessarily always have to be uh, about getting the heart rate up super high. It could just be doing some sort of modality like breath work or cold showers or something like that where you're still uh, prioritizing impacting the body Mm. and allowing that link between the body and mind to do its thing, right? Whether it's the endorphin rush, um, just the impact on neurochemistry. So that's, that's one part. But then, of course, if you are in a position to move your body in some capacity every day, that is the best place to start. So for me personally, you know, it's the cold shower in the morning, it's a bit of breath work, and then it's training every single day to some extent um, because I love the feeling of post-training, right? And so I'm motivated by, to an extent, how I want to look, which is potentially the motivation for some people that connect with you, right? And they tune in for the advice that you give. Yeah, yep. But then, mate, I'm far more interested in how I want to feel, Mm. you know, I'm sure we all know the feeling where we go a couple of days for whatever reason without training, we're sluggish, we're a bit fatigued, we're a bit down on ourselves. Vis-a-V, consistently showing up and putting in the work, fuck, you feel like a hero sometimes. And I don't know if that language is too dramatic, um, but that feeling is what I crave. And so mm. for me, exercise, in addition to those other modalities, is the, it is the number one place to start if, some, if, if whoever's listening wants to feel emotionally, yeah. mentally, you know, improved in some way, right? And then I'm sure they could tune into all your content to work out exactly what their best path is in terms of exercise and what have yeah, you. Yeah, I think that's one another positive that's come out of people being in lockdown is almost people being forced to find that connection between their physical and, and mental um, health. So, you know, I have no doubt now that more and more people that weren't training or exercising or or keeping active before are now doing so, whether it be something as simple as a walk, whether people have started training at home because there's, you know, every man and his dogs posting home workouts on social media, like whether it's whatever, whatever form of exercise, I feel as though more people now are exercising than ever because one, there's fucking nothing else to do. And Mm. two, because it's almost like I said, it's being forced upon like people just need to get out of their house because they're in the house all day. Yeah. And I, I kind of found it firsthand last year. I had, uh, you know, I I'd had small periods here and there where I wasn't able to train for whatever reason. And you start to feel the difference in your body and your mind. But <laughs> start of last year, I had my shoulder done 
and it was eight weeks of no exercise whatsoever. Um, and this was the start of lockdown and man, like the effects were huge on me and I knew it already, but it wasn't until I kind of, uh, experienced it firsthand of how shit it was mentally, like sitting at home, you start to overthink, you, you can't, you don't feel good about yourself because you're not exercising. You don't get that endorphin rush. You're not, not outside getting vitamin D all the time. Like, it was full on. And then the big difference is when you come back and start training and you just realize how good it feels. Even to do something like go for a walk, um, just get outside, like you said, maybe some breath work, cold showers, whatever it may be. I know at the moment, you know, before we move on to some of these actionable things that people can start doing, um, you've been currently training for an Ironman, which is huge. Um, could you give us a bit of insight into one, like what the training looks like? Because I know it's pretty pretty crazy and a lot of people listening just want to hear what, mm. what it in, involves and then also maybe some of the things you've taken away from from doing the training um both physically and mentally definitely mate well i should start with i don't know if this event's taking place or not because we might be locked down yeah. um but that'll be interesting seven eight months of hard training but i'll start with why i actually set the goal and maybe some people will relate in their own in their own right but for me it was about how I want to push myself physically and mentally beyond what I had done previously. Yep. Again, so I could feel a certain way about myself, right? A level of respect. And I just wanted to just have a new challenge to work towards. So what that looks like um, for the event that I was training for, and I was doing two, one in Sunshine Coast, one in Melbourne. So the Melbourne one should hopefully be okay still. Yeah, uh, It's a two-kilometer swim out in the ocean uh, into a 90-kilometer bike ride into a 22-kilometer run. Now... Um, so that's the event. To put that in perspective, uh, I hadn't done any of those things previously. It was right. just something I wanted to set yeah. a lofty enough goal with enough time frame. We spoke about this on yeah. our chat last week. Yeah. Um, so having lofty goals, but a, a time frame where it was still achievable. Um, mate, I could not fucking swim when I started with this goal. <laughs> so like that's been the hardest part is yeah. mentally sort of getting past that limiting belief of like, fuck, I literally can't even, or at the, at the time, I was just sinking in the water. It was ridiculous. I never yeah. really swam much as a kid and now yeah. I try to swim two kilometers in the open water. Um, so that's what it looks like. In terms of training, mate, it's, it's really three swims, three rides and three runs each week, plus a bit of strength work in there as well. So yeah. it's sort of, you know, 10, it's really 11 or 12 workouts a week. You know, when you're trying to run a business, do some you know, entrepreneurial stuff and mm. just general life admin, it's pretty tough to find the hours. But yeah, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a slow, but... Dude, it has really taught me a few things that I think are like wildly valuable to yeah. incorporate into everyday life that yeah. maybe I could share with your listeners that I think have um yeah definitely. interesting. And before you do that, are you um have you been getting things programmed by a coach or are you putting this all together by yourself or how have you planned out the training periodization to lead yeah. up? Yeah, first half was with a coach. Yeah. So just didn't know where to start, particularly given that I was so inadequate on the yeah. bike and in the water. Yeah. Um, I really need all the help I could get. Yeah. So I had a set plan in terms of what to train and when yep. a little bit of nutrition stuff as well, but it was really just the me mechanics of like, like what to train and when yeah. and yeah. how yeah. to recover. Right. Yeah. Then I was able to get some confidence and the last sort of few months has been still a guided plan, yeah. but just something that was just like a more of a one pager that I was generic um, type thing. Gener yeah. Generic type yeah. that I've just been adhering to. Yeah. And, um, you said the, you know, three rides, three swims, three runs per week, plus some strength work. Um, is every session 
set up like it will be on, on event day or is it separate sessions or, or do you start to gel them in together as you get close to the event so you, so you can train under the conditions mm. that you'll be on, on the day or how does that look like? Yeah, it's, it's, it varies a lot. So you, as a general rule throughout a week, you probably have one long ride, one long run, one long swim just to build the tank and the endurance and to mm-hmm. just get familiar with, yeah, like you said, the conditions of just yeah. like having to go the distance. But then in between, it might be some strength stuff, power stuff. So for, it could be a hill climbs on the run or the bike yeah. to build the power in the legs, um, which is really cool. So you start being a bit more – this is one of the lessons I learned about how important it is to be fucking smart and strategic with mm-hmm. – you know what you do. It's not always just about grinding it out, exactly reverse how, engineering the goal. How yeah. to do it? Yeah. So that was, um, yeah, that was big. So, and plus, it's the monotony of doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, every week. I think it's important to mix it up and just have that sense of novelty, which the brain craves. So you yeah. get this sense of novelty. You get a dopamine rush, which is a surge of energy, neural energy we can use. That's just me geeking out a little bit. But that was important because even now, mate, like seven or eight months of training, and just sometimes I'm just I'm not feeling it because it's just like, like it's just the same old, same old, but, uh, you got to find do you do the swims in the, in their pool or the ocean. Well, now I'm doing them out in the bloody bay, which is freezing because in a wedding or we're in lockdown yeah, out in a wedding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, how do you, yeah. how have you found it so far swimming in the ocean compared to the pool? Like a lot harder. Extremely. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I still struggle banging out in the water with all the unknowns, like, you know, yeah. the deep end water taking you, I just, it, rational slash irrational fears of being mm. in the open water. Yeah, um, and when, I, and when I'm not a super strong swimmer, it's pretty yeah. scary. So I prefer the pool, but I got to train in the open water. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. I did an event a few years ago. I think we may have touched on this last week. Um, when we spoke on your show, uh, years ago now, maybe 2017 where we had, I was a trainer for this, this boot camp. And at the end of the boot camp, like there was like eight weeks or something like that. There was an event, which is the St. Kuta mile. <clears throat> so 1.6 K in the bay. And I didn't realize that like as a trainer, like I was meant to be doing this thing as well to encourage everyone else to have a crack. And I fucking hate swimming. So I reckon leading up to this St. Kilda mile thing, I did like three, maybe four max swims yeah. in the pool. And I'd be like 50 meters, have a quick rest, 50 meters, have a quick rest. <laughs> Running wise, I could run all day and swimming. Same. Like I was no good. I was like fucking rock sinking. Um, and then it got to the day and man, it was like by far the heart. Like I hadn't done any swims in the ocean, obviously aside from just fucking around, but yeah. hadn't done any practice swims in the ocean and geez, man, it it's was gnarly. A, an eye opener. Fuck. It was like probably by far physically one of the hardest things I've done. Yeah. I've done some hard shit and that like 1.6 K in the ocean that day was by far like up there with top hardest things I've done. So yeah. Man, it's wild. I, yeah, the specificity of, of swimming in the ocean compared to the pool was just vastly different. And when you add in all the people around you as well, chopping oh, and yeah, kicking yeah. in your face and some are faster than you and it's just... Can't get in any rhythm and you fucking... I was, at one point I looked up and I'd fucking swam like <laughs> off fucking path like by about 150 metres. I was like, geez, you've got to kill me. You've got to come back in. <laughs> yeah, that'll be me. It's funny. When I talk about whether it's on this platform, I've done a couple of shows now and you know, just talking to people off air as well about my training. And it's like, mm. it sounds, which admittedly is, I'm super, super proud of myself for sticking it, sticking it out and putting in the work, but it sounds like, you know, oh, he's doing an Ironman and da, da, da. I'm like, I hope people understand like how like embarrassingly slow by contrast to the other athletes, I will be 
but I'll fucking get it done. And that's all I care about. That's it. It's an achievement in itself. Like you said, you were barely swimming when you started. So to be able to to get out there and do 2K plus the ride and the run will be huge, man. Mm. Um, Now, before we um, get towards the end here, I want to go over some of these, um, I guess, actionable things that you picked up along the way, the tools that you've added to the toolkit to really help with the mental health side Mm. of things, um, whether it be confidence, whether it be, you know, just being present um you know allowing yourself to, to set goals and and be self-aware enough to know when you are and, and aren't on track i guess yeah what do some of those look like for you and some of the main takeaways that you've you've taken taken on yeah well something i'll talk about a lot mate it's like these seven <laughs> seven pillars of, of self-confidence um which you might not have the time to unpack them all but i'll just give you the highlights real so yeah. and that is the same that i i guess cultivated over my own journey and something I'll say as well is a little preface is like people are tuning in. I hope this stuff is useful. You might take one or two ideas that are really valuable and if something doesn't land and that's totally fine. You know, I never claim to have all the answers. I think that's really important. I want you to just be really, really curious and open and just really love trying to optimize mm. and understand that you can build an empowering mindset, right? It's not lying dormant under your pillow. It can be built. So that mm. feeling that we're after, it can be built, right? So Key word there is it, it can be built. It's not yeah. going to get given to you. So as Liam just said, like these things have worked for him. They may not work for you, but the only way you're going to get to anywhere further than where you are right now is if you are actually willing to do the work, which is often the hardest part. It's just that starting bit. But mm. if, you, if you're willing to put in the work, then like Liam just said, the, the, the reward's there waiting for you. You just mm. have to be willing to do it, which a lot of, unfortunately, is the problem that most people have is is having all the tools readily available, but not being willing to use them. So mm. make sure everyone that's tuned in that if you're if you're someone that is interested in seeing improvement in the mental and physical side of things, that the stuff you hear on this show, the stuff you hear on this episode today, do something with it. Um, and generally people know, yeah. right? Like generally people will have a feeling of like what they could be doing, should be doing. Like you generally... Well, yeah, no. So 100%. it's like, do the thing, you shall have the power. Action is the cure-all. All these platitudes that get thrown around are so powerful. Um, like, just just do the thing. Do something and you already create a sense of agency and, you know, it's easy to keep that momentum. But look, really quick, rapid fire, there's, there's seven ideas and, uh, you know, hopefully something lands. And the first thing for me that I always fall back on that I find really empowering is this idea that humans are the ultimate adaptation machine, right? We're, we're literally designed... Mm-hmm to grow, to adapt, to change. Darwin often misquoted as saying it's the strongest of the species that survive. It's actually not what he said. He said it's not the strongest nor the most intelligent, but rather the most adaptive to change that will survive. And that's why humans are the ultimate apex predator, right? Yeah. So when you start feeling a bit flat, a bit you know, disheartened or whatever it might be, whether you're trying to build a tangible skill like swimming in the ocean or <laughs> whatever your thing is, maybe someone listening is trying to lose weight, gain weight, they're trying to start a business, whatever or they just want to feel a certain way. They may have spent years being depressed, anxious, right? I, I, I know that feeling. Mm. Knowing that you can shift that is a really powerful place. It's not a motivational rah-rah. We're literally designed mechanistically to, to adapt and to grow. So that's the first thing. When in doubt, just know that you are built to grow, to change. So just keep that in mind. Awesome. The second thing that I really find empowering is is that how we feel about ourselves when we're by ourselves is all that matters. I don't know about you, mate, but for the longest period of time up until sort of 25, 26, but pretty much up until my head trauma, it was very ego-driven. And I still struggle with this a little bit now. Really concerned with how people perceive me, right? Mm. This is great Jay Shetty quote. He says, I am not 
what I think I am. I am not what you think I am. I am what I think you think I am. Mm. And it's this idea that we will literally play into how we think other people see us yeah. or how we want them to see us. And it's, it's just that a lot of people struggle with, I think. Oh, mate, it's disastrous. But when you can really reorient it, the decisions that we make and you should, uh, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've watched it or listened to it already, but I'd highly recommend uh, sussing out Mike Posner's interview um, on both Jay Shetty and Tom Bilyeu's, um Impact Theory podcast. Mm. Both, both episodes are really powerful. I think, I think I almost preferred the one with Jay. Um, yep. but man, it was super interesting. Like, wow, I'll have to check it out. come from, yeah, obviously for those that don't know who he is, he was obviously had some huge songs early on in his career and then it kind of, his career kind of went down and then he was in this little period where he had no idea what to do. And then he went through this whole kind of like self discovery period, which, um, I think you'll be able to relate with a lot, but he kind of touched on, on, on how, uh, powerful, Mm. it is to be able to be on your own the reason it made me think of it is you talked about this period where you spent a week um and obviously we've spoke with guys like blake and and stuff like that they've done the the retreats where it's just completely silent for 10 days or whatever it is which is just mental um but yeah mike talked about how he went and spent a week in a cabin where literally just got dropped off and given things to survive and then that's it like nothing yeah literally have nothing and he said it was just crazy how hard it was because yeah. he'd never done it, but he just said like, you're just, when you're literally just stuck with your own thoughts and unfortunately for a lot of us, that's, um, we do everything in our power to avoid it. Um, but if you can, mm. well, a good, face, face, a good litmus test, I think a good litmus test to consider is when you lie on your pillow at night and you do have that moment of solitude and, and silence, like what comes up for you, mm. right? Like it's, is it, are you proud? Are you, are you hating on yourself? Like, what is it? Don't judge it, but just notice it. And then it's like, all right, is there an opportunity to maybe shift this? So just simply knowing that, how you feel about yourself when you buy yourself, that's all that matters. Like, of course, we're going to have this need and, and there's a whole, you know, there's a lot of science for it. We won't geek out now, but as to why we want to do things for the opinions and perceptions of other people. But if you build a lifestyle around just prioritizing what's going to make you mm. feel good, Mm. and that becomes habitual just yeah it's a much better place to operate from um so that was really that was really big for me considering that i was a bit egotistical for you know for a long period of time um the third idea and this is again from my through my own journey became really um obvious is that competence equals confidence you know people often reach out to me like how you know, how do i feel more confident whatever it might be there's, there's a ton of different modalities but getting really competent in something is mm. a great place to start and it's specifically this value of deliberate practice not just showing up and clocking in the hours yeah. right so and you might see this in the gym right so yeah, we're yeah. talking about this the other day actually people in the gym you know they're lifting the same weights every day it's no yeah. longer challenging so they're not getting that progressive overload yeah. the same is true for our mind so we need that progressive overload and to genuinely get good at something over time progress yeah. equals happiness so whether that's you know, training for an Ironman whether it's trying to build a business craft the body into the body that you want, build, learn a language, whatever it is, but getting good at something over time, right? And going through those growing pains and getting competent is, a well, I think an easy place to start to start building a sense of confidence, which was, um, you know, really important. And so yeah. for me, you know, going down this rabbit hole of trying to understand human behavior, I'm far from knowing everything and there's far more, um, you know, equipped people with greater expertise than I am, but just building confidence, sorry, competence over time. Yeah. 
gives me a sense of confidence, confidence in myself yeah. with what I share, right? So I think that's really important. Um, really quickly, if we've got the time, I think these are really powerful. For yeah, well, for sure. Uh, just be aware of the language that you use. So language, it's a two-way highway between language and mood. So we often see language on the other end of our mood. You know, if I speak to you tomorrow morning and you've woken up early, done your medica- meditation, you've had a cold shower, had a coffee, you've trained and asked, how you going, DK? You're probably going to tell me you're doing extremely well. You're up yeah. and about, life's good. Yeah. But if for whatever reason I catch you in the morning and those things haven't taken place, maybe you've had an argument with your partner the night before, financial issues, business issues, how you're going, the language is going to reflect a different mood. But yeah. then what if we looked at the other way? There's a lot of science around this of like using language at the other end to direct the way we feel. Mm. And it might, if people think that's silly, just try out for 24 hours and say nothing but positive, empowering things. Yeah. Not rubbish, not staring in the mirror saying, I'm a millionaire, da 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 da, but yeah. just whatever it might be, I'm the kind of person that does hard things. Whatever it is, use that kind of language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah goes a long way yeah definitely i think there's even uh, uh there's even a fair bit of research to show that facial expressions does a very similar thing mm. it was a thing i listened to ages ago um and it was something like you know every time you see yourself in a mirror like if you literally just smile at yourself which sounds super creepy and super uh cliche and weird yeah very hard not to feel at least half decent like you, you can go from just being in a shit mood or just like almost neutral yeah to feeling good purely just from from smiling and you think about how effective it is mm. when you see someone in public you know like someone you might go to a cafe or whatever throughout lockdown and you know majority of people at the moment are just negative and and sending out shitty vibes left right and center but you bump into that one person that doesn't mention a word about covid is super happy is energetic smiling smiles back at you for no reason might wave or whatever and like the impact you think about the impact that has on you for the rest of the day or for the you know the following hour or so um, can be huge. So like, I mean, you know, to, to further your point, I mean, the language, facial expressions, your whole demeanor mm. just, just makes such a big difference. Well, the, uh, you might know a bit more about this than I do. So I'll be careful not to say too many exact numbers, but I think there is, well, there's more muscles in the, in the face than anywhere else on the body from what I understand. So when you smile, you're actually activating a, this massive group of muscles and mm. nerves so you think about the impact we're talking earlier about using physiology to affect psychology. Yeah. To something as simple as a smile goes, you know, it, it works wonders. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I, I love that. Um, something as well that people may find really useful, and this is like, I guess, the fifth of seven big ideas that we can leave people with, is to remember that you're fighting against ingrained habits and a desire to chill and conserve calories. This is like human behavior 101. And this was monstrous for me in terms of like, you know, trying to go through that fatigue bout that I was struggling with for a long period of time. Yeah. Um, trying to whether start a business, get back into the, the intense training when for a couple of years I couldn't do much of it all. I think people will sit in that feeling of like, I can't be bothered. Fuck, this is too hard. I've lost interest. My goal's not important to me and start making meaning of this feeling that comes yeah. up in the body. Yeah. That is a very normal experience. We are wired to conserve calories. We're wired for safety and survival. We're not wired to, you know, f- succeed or we're not yeah. necessarily wired for happiness. So understanding that you can just draw the right meaning. So instead, when that feeling comes up tomorrow morning for anyone who's on a training regime right now, for example, 
that feeling is normal. It's not fucking going anywhere. It's what you do with it. So how do you yeah. use that as a cue to go, I'm going to go train, run, go to the gym or at home, obviously at the moment, but yeah. use that as a cue to train anyway, not indulge in that wondering, oh, maybe I don't actually want this goal or it's all too hard. That feeling will be there and understanding that and leveraging it is how you get ahead, I found anyway, certainly for my own journey. Yeah, I, I try and use like the, the three-second rule. Mm. Um, and I'm not talking about dropping food on the floor either. I'm talking <laughs> about like, like yeah, like as if there's that, that thing that's, that you're almost procrastinating, like as soon as it comes up, give yourself three seconds and decision made. It's like the, the alarm, like hitting snooze in the morning. Like it's not actually, it's, it really isn't, when you think about it, physically it's not hard to get out of bed when your alarm goes off. Mentally, it is hard to get out of bed when your alarm goes off for one second. For the second of the alarm's going off or when you wake up, that's the hard bit. If as soon as that goes off, you get out of bed or as soon as you've, you, know, you know it's time to go for a run, but it's shit weather outside. If you just put your shoes on and walk out the door, the hard bit's done. Like Obviously, the run's going to be hard, you know, maybe whatever else you've got to do may be difficult physically, but mentally, the hardest bit is done. And, mm. and, and you'd be surprised at how much more you can get done. And then also how much momentum you can start to carry with knowing that you've got the, enough discipline in you to be able to just do it when it needs to be done instead of constantly putting it off. Cause it works both ways. If you're creating a habit of constantly pushing things back or saying no, or waiting till tomorrow to do shit that can be done today, like that, that becomes a habit as well, just as it becomes a habit to, to do the opposite and just get shit done. Yeah. Yeah. And habits, everything again, just comes back to that, like understanding the physics of being human and just tapping into them, not trying to fight it. So if you can make something habitual that serves you, that's something you want to look into. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, self-comparison is the other piece. We already touched on it, but just avoiding yeah. self-comparison, you know, that's a whole other sphere we could, we could look into. But if you start looking at DK, you look at me, you look at these people, and what a world we live in to have so much access to so much information. That's amazing, right? I talk about falling in love with learning. But then I think it's important to have our own filter to be able to like pour that information through our own filter to work out what works for us, what do we actually give a fuck about, um, and I guess following our own journey and not falling victim to comparing to other people because that's the quickest way to stop doing the work that is going to get to get you to where yeah. you want to go. Yeah. Um, so understanding, understanding, you know, something I say a lot as well is understanding, you know, the whole comparison side of things, particularly with social media, there's a lot of people comparing say their day 10 to someone's year 10 mm. and you're wondering why you're not in the same position as them or you're thinking about what you should be doing to be similar to them. And it's, it's like, you just don't see, or you don't, you're not willing to understand that there's been hours, weeks, months, years of work that has gone into getting to someone where they are right now. It's not just, you know, that, that final product of a picture on Instagram or a video on Instagram or whatever it may be, um, is the end product of a lot of, lot of work behind the scenes, which, which a lot of people just either don't want to understand or it just naturally doesn't happen. So like, you know, you, you feel like you're behind the eight ball or you feel, um, like you're not on the right path, but you, but it just takes time. It's mm. you can't compare yourself to others. No, you cannot. And then I think it comes back to this idea of being far more interested in how you feel about yourself than what others feel about you, right? And that's really that there's that seventh and final idea that I really fall back on for building confidence and going a long way to optimizing our mental health is building our self-esteem around our willingness to learn right? And being interested in like, so then when you lie your head on your pillow at night, 
going back to that example I gave earlier, it's like I fucking gave it a crack today mm. and that makes me feel good. I don't yeah, give yeah. a fuck what DK is doing right now. I can learn from him. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Or such and such. Right. Like I've got a lot of people that I look to for, for guidance, but it's, I'm interested in my willingness to learn. And then that's what I built my self-esteem around because it's anti-fragile. It can't be taken away. If your self-image is built entirely around how you look or how people see you or whatever, like that may last for a momentary period of time. As soon as it's stripped away and you're just stuck staring nakedly at your inadequacies, fuck, that's a pretty vulnerable place to be mm. for, our, for our mental health, right? So um, having that will, uh, identity of being a learner and building our self-esteem around that is it's anti-fragile and you can if you fall into that and lean into that over the years to come over time that'll become the default state where it's like at any given moment in time when there's COVID, when there's not COVID, when business is good when business is bad relationships are going well relationships are going bad at least you can fall back on this like okay what can i learn from this and that is what i build my self-esteem around like that can't be taken away so you know i'm far from perfect believe me but just trying to lean back into that when I feel a little bit more emotionally in turmoil helps helps a lot. So yeah, hopefully those tools can serve someone listening and um, you know, Mate, I have no doubt at all. Um, I've definitely taken a lot away from the, from the chat, man. So I'm sure, I'm sure everyone else has as well. There's, there's so much to take away from there and potentially, you know, even with those seven, seven different um, learnings, I guess, that you've taken away. I may even add them in a show notes so people can go back through and, and even write them down or, or explore mm. them a little further. Um, but man, much appreciated, uh, you know, the fact that you come on today and shared all, all this wisdom with everyone. Um, so yeah, thanks a lot, man. I, I do appreciate it. And for everyone that's tuned in, you know, we'd love for you to take a screenshot of this episode and, and put up an Instagram story for us. Tag myself, tag Liam. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, be sure to check out the Braintainment podcast um, that Liam hosts and, and, and all of his content on socials. Um, but yeah, thanks, man. Much appreciated. My guy, thanks so much, mate. I love the work that you do. I know you've got an amazing community, big audience. So shout out to everyone that has tuned in. Um, yeah, anytime you want to chat, mate, I'm always up for it. I love uh, picking your mind and always fun to have a laugh too. Brilliant. Awesome, mate. Thanks a lot. And for everyone who's tuned in, we do really appreciate it. Um, Looking forward to chatting to you again on the next episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast.